Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. Our psalm for today is Psalm 24. Will you join us in prayer and praise as we read this responsively? The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. worship today. We're reading through the books of Samuel this summer, and today we'll be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 6, where David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. We often think of Noah when we think of an ark, but an ark just means a box, a container of some kind. Noah built a really big box in order to hold animals. Moses' mother built a small ark to put Moses in when he was a baby. We usually say basket there, but it's the same word. Today we're reading about the ark that was built to hold the Ten Commandments and some manna from the wilderness with golden cherubim over the top. The Ark of the Covenant is somewhere in between those two sizes, a four-foot-long box. It was big enough that it took four men to carry it, but not big enough to put an elephant in. Last week we read that David created Jerusalem as the capital, and David wants the Ark to come to Jerusalem to show that God is present with them in Jerusalem. I feel like we could use the voice of an announcer on a television show to say, previously on, the story of the Ark. The Ark has its own storyline in First and Second Samuel, and we need to really know about that before we can understand what we're about to read. 
The ark had symbolized God's presence among the people. And the people of Israel walked in the wilderness. They had the ark with them. The ark showed them that God was present with them. They would take the ark into battle to know that God was fighting for them. But at the beginning of 1 Samuel, when Israel took the ark into battle against the Philistines, Israel lost and lost badly. The sons of Eli the priest died in that battle. And when the dust cleared from the battle, the Philistines had taken the ark. Except for the Philistines, the ark was nothing but trouble. Anywhere the ark rested, the people started having plagues and tumors. One version notes that mice came out of the ark. And the idol Dagon of the Philistines was found toppled over and broken, not once but twice when the ark was in its temple. It wasn't long before the Philistines said enough is enough. And so after seven months, they set the ark on a cart and sent it straight to Israel. It's like they mailed a package with no particular address. Just get it to Israel and away from us. And so it wound up at the home of a man named Abinadab. And it was there for 20 years. So that's the story that goes up through 1 Samuel chapter 7. The ark in those 20 years is just at Abinadab's house. But that's where we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 6. David again brought together all the able-bodied young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala and Judah to bring it up from there, the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because of the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained at the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. 
After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is a story that begins with a celebration and moves into a tragedy. David is having the Ark of the Covenant moved to the new capital of Jerusalem, and there is much rejoicing. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. This had to feel like a moment of triumph. After all of those years that the Ark was tucked away in a remote place, to have the Ark coming back into the center of public life, to know that God was going to be with them, as he is enthroned among the cherubim above the ark. Except, as they were bringing the ark on the ox cart in this grand parade, one of the oxen stumbled along the threshing floor, and Uzzah did what any of us might do. He reached out his hand to steady the ark. That happened to me while we were on vacation. We had all of our luggage on one of those luggage carts in the hotel. And if something looked like it might fall off, I put my hand to steady it. But in Uzzah's case, he was putting out his hand onto the ark that represented God's holiness, and he died. Now, there's a bit of a difficult story here. The ark represents God's power and holiness, and that is great when God's power is fighting for you, but it's difficult when you try to harness God's power. The Philistines tried to harness it and wound up with tumors and rodents. When the ark first came back to Israel, 70 people died for looking at the ark. It's a big plot point in the movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark because it's the power of the Ark of the Covenant that the Nazis want to try and harness in the movie. But when they find it and encounter the holiness of God with their evil hearts, they dissolve they can't stand before the Lord. The holiness of God is overwhelming, and that's what the Bible teaches over and over. And we can't harness the holiness of God for our own purposes. And even Uzzah, who just seems to be trying to steady the ark, is a casualty of that holiness. I've read a good bit this week trying to make sense of why a man should die for just keeping the ark from falling. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time reconciling this story with the idea that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The God who so wanted to be reconciled with us and bring us into his holiness that he died himself and the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom, bringing us into the holiness of God. But I suppose that's the problem. The holiness of God is so overwhelming, and our human efforts to reach into God's holiness lead only to death. God had to come to us through Christ and invite us into his holiness. So this is how some different people deal with thinking about Uzzah and the ark. My Christian education professor, Deidre Crewald, suggested that the mice and the rodents that are part of the story earlier might give us a clue that there are some natural causes of death going on here. Rodents tend to carry disease, and if you put your hand on the ark, you're likely to encounter some of that. 
you know how they opened the tomb of the Egyptian pharaoh to Tankamon, and they said it was cursed because several people died after going into the tomb. They've since realized that if you seal up a mummified body for thousands of years, noxious, deadly fumes develop. So perhaps there were some natural reasons for Uzzah's death. I don't know. Beth Moore takes it to think about following God's direction. She suggests that they're doing something that is supposed to be for God, but without asking God about it or listening to what God had to say about how it should be done. You know, there are actually rules about how to carry the ark. Four Levites are supposed to carry it on two poles, but David and his men just threw it on an ox cart. You can't throw the Ark of the Covenant on the back of your pickup truck and take it for a drive. That's not how the holiness of God works. So Beth Moore writes this, what went wrong? The people involved did things the way they thought best instead of listening to God. The Lord had laid out rules for transporting the Ark and they did not include putting it on a cart. It may have been convenient for David and his men to move the Ark this way, but it wasn't how God told them to do it. So Moore suggests that sometimes we overlook some of the directions we've been given and that is not the way that leads to life. It's the holiness of God and sometimes we've just got to follow what God says to do. Even when we don't fully understand why we're being given the directions, if they're directions from God, we need to follow them. The incident with Uzzah gave David pause. He was angry at first and then afraid. And it makes me wonder if he didn't stop to look at his own motivations for a moment. The Ark of the Covenant represented God's power and protection, and David, I am sure, wanted that. But the thing about bringing God into your midst is that you aren't then in charge of God. David was consolidating his power, bringing Israel together, and so far God had helped David defeat enemies and win battles and become king and even take Jerusalem with just an easy, in an easy way. But that doesn't mean that God would always do things David's way. This moment with Yuza must have been a reality check for David. You have to listen to the voice of God. You have to do things God's way. I think about in our own time, we see people seeking power all the time who want to claim the name of Jesus without living the reality of the way that God wants. A cross pinned to your lapel doesn't make you a follower of Christ. Praying at the beginning of a civic meeting, I, I'm in favor for it, but it doesn't matter if we've prayed if we don't follow God's way in the meeting, if the laws and the policies we make aren't directed by God. The trappings of religion are tempting because they seem powerful. But God's presence can't be controlled that way. We're back to the idea that we've heard over and over this year that you can't have the truth and the life of Jesus without walking the way of Jesus. I think about Matthew 23. The power of religion without the way of Jesus can be a trap. It is not the way that leads to life. Or in Matthew 25, Jesus tells some of the people who tried to use his name that they weren't following his way. They let the hungry go without food and didn't visit those who were sick and in prison. 
They wanted the trappings of religion. They wanted the power, but they didn't want to follow God's way. Bruce Birch suggests that this is what happens when we try to manage God's holiness. When we try and reach out our hand and, and make God do things our way. And instead, we need to change our hearts and our attitudes and do things God's way. David waited three months after the incident with Uzzah before bringing the ark to Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't tell us, but perhaps he took those three months to get his priorities straight, to recognize that God wasn't going to be in his pocket just because the ark was in Jerusalem. But instead, he would need to adjust his life to live in the holiness of God. He saw the blessings of the people who held the ark for those three months, and he wanted that blessing, he wanted that life, but he was going to have to adjust his heart to know that he was a follower of God and not the other way around. As Psalm 24 says, it's the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. That is the person who can stand in the holy place. Perhaps David needed to work on his heart to become that person. He was becoming the king and he was becoming powerful and maybe his head was getting big and he needed to adjust and recognize that he needed to follow God. And that's where the power came from. That's where the holy life comes from. One of the things uh, my Old Testament professor Bruce Birch pointed out is that the ark was movable. The presence of God went out with the people, and wherever the ark stopped became a sacred, holy space. That's how the Holy Spirit still is with us. In the season of Pentecost, I'm reminded that God is still present with us. The Holy Spirit moves where it will. We cannot contain the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit is becomes a sacred space. So David, after three months, started his plan again to, to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. But maybe now he had a new understanding of what it meant to be in God's holy place. And so the Holy Spirit was moving and he began to dance with all his might. You know, the Holy Spirit has a way of turning our mourning into dancing. God's holy presence is vital and real. I believe it was in David's life, and I believe that's why he was dancing with all his might. And he asked a blessing on the people of Israel, but he wanted it to be God's blessing. It needed to be God's way. It needed to come out of God's holiness and his presence. It wasn't something David was going to be able to do for the people, but rather still recognizing that God enthroned on the ark among the cherubim. He was the one who was going to be able to give a blessing. And so he danced with all his might. I pick up that idea because I think that that's something that we need to recognize when we are in the presence of God. God wants our whole selves, our whole hearts, our whole hallelujah to come forward from him. Last week was the 4th of July and we went to see fireworks on Jekyll Island. It was an absolutely beautiful display. The people sitting behind us were so delightful because they gave the fireworks their full appreciation. At every pop of fireworks, they would say, Ooh, look at that. That's so beautiful. At every single time. 
It lasted for 20 minutes and they never slowed down with their oohs and their ahs. I found that delightful. But it also reminded me that some things are so overwhelmingly beautiful that they deserve a huge response. If a fireworks display deserved that many oohs and ahs, imagine being in the presence and the holiness of God. It deserves a huge response. It deserves dancing with our whole might. Do we stand in that kind of awe before the Lord and His holiness? I want to give my whole self to the celebration of the Lord and His presence among us. I want our church and God's people to rejoice and, yes, dance with all our might because God is here and present with us. The Holy Spirit is moving. I went to a dance recital recently, and as the older girls danced on stage, there were all these little girls who were supposed to be sitting in their seats watching, but it wasn't very long before they were all up in the aisles dancing around with glad abandon. They were dancing with all their might. And so when I think about how I want us to respond to the holiness of God, to his presence among us, I want us to dance like David did before the ark, knowing that he was in the presence of the Lord. I want us to be dancing like a five-year-old in a sparkling costume, dancing in the aisles. God wants us to come to him with rejoicing. So this is the opportunity to respond to God's presence. We can try and control him, but that is not the way that leads to life. Instead, we should let his presence wash over us and we respond with rejoicing, with dancing, knowing that God is, is fighting for us, is our strength and our song. Are we going to try and control the Holy Spirit and make God work the way we want? Or will we open our lives to the moving of the Spirit and dance with all our might in the presence of the Holy One. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we come before you seeking your presence and your power in our lives. May we accept the power of your Spirit to live holy lives. Make our hearts pure and our hands clean. Fill us with joy and dancing as we enter into your presence and guide us on your holy path. In the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.